0: This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin.
1: Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the City of Melbourne. Today's show is a special one because we're recording live outside in front of the State Library in the heart of Melbourne at Autumn Fest, a celebration of hope and music live on stage in the City of Melbourne. We're exploring some of the bigger questions asked by people on the streets walking past us here today today we're going to ask four big questions to four different guests. We're asking, can we trust the Bible? What about miracles? What about other religions? And why is Jesus so important? They're all big questions and we have some terrific guests. who will each have about six or seven minutes to confront each of these questions. Now our first big question today is about the Bible. Can we trust the Bible? Isn't it full of misogynistic fairy tales? We're asking this big question to Gillian Asquith. Gillian lectures in New Testament and Greek at Melbourne School of Theology. Her areas of interest include the transmission of the text of the New Testament and biblical archaeology. And she joins me now. Gillian, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you. Now, so Gillian, what are we to make of the Bible? Because famed atheist science fiction writer Isaac Asimov once said, properly read, the Bible is the most potent force for atheism ever conceived. So how do you respond to Asimov? Is the Bible really that bad?
0: Well, that's a provocative quote, isn't it? It is. I'm going to give a provocative answer. So I would contend that the Bible improperly read may be a potent force towards atheism, but if we read it properly, then it speaks very powerfully to us, even as 21st century readers today. So if we approach the text of the bible with our 21st century expectations we're going to see it as violent misogynistic but we need to approach it with with in the shoes or should we say maybe in the dusty sandals (laughs) of the original audience and we need to understand that it was written to a culture very different to ours now god chose to reveal himself through those ancient cultures but when we um, view what is said in there through the lens of those ancient cultures, then we're in a position to be able to see what it says to us. And it actually speaks very powerfully to us as 21st century readers. So let me give you an example. Yeah. So, for example, in the Old Testament, uh, God gives a whole lot of laws to the nation of Israel. And we read those and we might think, oh, there's so much detail in these. They're not particularly relevant. What on earth are they all on about? Well, when we compare those laws with other ancient neo-law codes, we find that God was revealing himself in a way that, that showed Israel to be a completely different to the other nations. So one set of law codes says that if you wrong somebody, the punishment actually depends on the social status of the person you've wronged. Uh, and somebody much lower down the pecking order in society, you, you're not, not going to have to have as much of a punishment if you wrong them. Whereas in the Old Testament, God says every human life is of equal worth. Everyone is valued. God shows no favoritism and as humans we're to show no favoritism. So the laws that God instituted for Israel were laws that treated everybody equally. Yeah. So it actually revealed uh, revealed God, uh, in, in, re- revealed the character of God in a way that if we just read the Old Testament uh, not on its own terms, we don't see that.
1: Yeah. Maybe if I could respond by being a bit provocative again, because you were provocative to that provocative quote. Um, But some would say, though, that maybe the Bible doesn't treat people equally because it seems as though women are not treated as well as men. And, in fact, so 19th century feminist Elizabeth Cady Sandon once wrote, the Bible and the church have been the greatest stumbling blocks in the way of women's emancipation. So is that how you see it?
0: I'm going to agree with half of that statement. I'm going to agree with the half that says the church has been a great stumbling block um, for women's emancipation and the treatment of women over the centuries. But that's not how Jesus treated women. When we read the Bible, we see that Jesus afforded women a value and worth and respect that was unprecedented in his society. Uh, When we then come to other writings in the New Testament, writings by the apostle Paul, Paul has been accused of being the greatest misogynist. But there are indicators in those books that Paul valued women as co-workers enormously. For example, his book, um, his letter to the Roman church is his greatest theological treatise. He sent that letter to the Roman church with a woman. And back then, if you carried a letter to a group of people, you were the person who then read it out and you explained it. So, Paul entrusted his most important piece of theological writing to a woman to explain it to a congregation on his behalf. Now, that's not misogynistic, is right, it? Right,
1: okay. But there are still some confronting parts of the Bible. So, then how do you handle them when you read them, Gillian?
0: I put myself into the dusty sandals of the ancient readers and I say to myself, what kind of a uh, what kind of a characteristic of god was this showing to them in their culture um and what can i then draw from that for us in, in 21st century australia yeah. um, so it's a question of viewing um some of those difficult parts of the bible as as paradigmatic for showing god's character yeah. within a certain cultural context
1: So then how do you read it today?
0: So there's a wonderful verse in uh, the book of Hebrews that talks about Jesus uh, being an anchor for our soul. Yeah. So I read the Bible as um, a a set of texts that reveal the heart of God to me through Jesus, saying that no matter what life throws at me, what disappointments I might face, what betrayals I might um, encounter. I'm divorced. I know a bit about betrayal and disappointment. I'm loved and I'm known by God. That gives me an anchor for my soul to be able to handle whatever life throws at me. Mm. And that's why I read the Bible.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your reflections and your own personal story there today, Gillian. We'll just close with maybe what we've reflected on just now. So the Bible, isn't it just full of violent, misogynistic fairy tales?
0: Not if you read it on its own terms, no.
1: With the dusty sandals of exactly. the ancient ancient readers. That's yeah.
0: exactly right.
1: Well then, fantastic! Thanks so much for sharing today, Gillian. Big round of applause for Gillian Asquith and reflections on this big question. Today's bigger questions show is a special one because we are asking some of life's biggest questions live outside at Autumn Fest. A celebration of hope and music in the heart of Melbourne. And the next big question is about miracles. How can you believe the miracles in the Bible? Now, we're asking this big question today to Sam Reeve. Sam works as Senior Minister of Cross Culture, a church right here in the heart of Melbourne. In fact, it's right across the road, just there. And he joins me now. Sam, welcome to Bigger Questions. Big round of applause for Sam.
2: Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here.
1: Now, Sam, now you used to work as an engineer, apparently. Can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Uh, yeah, I was uh, in the iron and steel industry. So my wife did the ironing and I did the steeling. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. But <laughs> No, okay. we made the stuff that turns into the things we're
1: sitting on. Okay, so what sort of engineering was that you were doing? Mechanical. Mechanical engineer, right. now. But now, Sam, you're the pastor of a church, yep. and the Bible recounts miraculous stories, water being turned to wine, uh, miraculous healings, even someone being raised from the dead. So someone who's worked as an engineer, how, how could you believe the miracles in the Bible?
2: I know plenty of engineers who wish they could turn water into wine. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, how can I believe that? I, I, I can believe it in the same way that I can believe, say... Um, Well, Victoria's biggest engineering disaster 50 years ago, the Westgate Bridge fell down. Yeah. 35 people were killed. Uh, I wasn't there, but there are credible eyewitness reports of that. Yeah. And uh, that's why I believe that it happened. And there are credible eyewitness reports of the miracles of Jesus. Yeah. So, for example, when he walked on water, there were 12 witnesses... And they wrote about it. Yeah. And there were people still living who could have refuted what they said, but they didn't. Yeah. But surely there's a difference, though, between
1: a bridge which is falling down, which is something that we've, you know, is part of our everyday experience, and then, you know, miraculous things about walking on water and um, water being turned to wine and so on. Though.
2: Surely there's a difference in the type of thing we're talking about? There's a great difference, and, and that is, and the people at the time recognised it. When Jesus performed his miracles, they were freaked out. Yeah. When the when the disciples saw him walking on water, they said, "Who's this?" <laughs> and uh, and most of them concluded that he's not like us, even though he's human. Uh, he's the son of God. Yeah. So even the bloke that uh, was in charge of putting him to death on the cross said, "Surely this guy's the son of God." When yeah. he saw the way he died. So there was something different about the way that Jesus
1: worked. But so, and I suppose you are saying though that. Uh, there was credible accounts of these yeah. miracles, even though they were rem- remarkable. But would you say that though people in the ancient world were just a bit more gullible perhaps
2: than today and they would just believe anything? Yeah, well, I think we have that idea, don't we, that everyone who came before us were idiots yeah. and, uh, and, and that we somehow have achieved some high level of intelligence. Uh, I think if you look around your heart enough or look in your own heart, uh, I think the evidence is to the contrary. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Obviously, they're gullible people in every age. But say the resurrection of Jesus, right, rising from the dead. Uh, the Apostle Paul's account of that is written about 20 years after. Yeah. And he says, look, there's 500 people who saw him. And what he's saying is, go and ask them. They'll refute it if it's wrong. Uh, and, but he, he wrote with great confidence and was willing to die, actually, for saying that. Yeah. So, and, and when you read their writings, they're very intelligent. They're detailed. They're historical. So, go and read it. But if miracles happen, though, wouldn't that undermine your ability to work as an engineer? No. I I think, for me, it enhances it. Uh, So, if I'm trying to design something and I I can't do it, uh, I I can cry out to God, the creator and ruler of the whole universe, the one who is all-knowing and all-powerful, and say, God, help me. Now, he might choose to, he might choose not to. Uh, but I can do that as a Christian, and, and sometimes He does that. And I've found actually, the stuff that we can't solve, and of course these these are the issues of the human heart. Yeah, um, the problem of evil. God really wants to; He delights to help us to solve that. Yeah. So engineers have had a go at solving the problem of evil. Yeah. Nuclear bombs, you know. Um, uh, Electric chairs, <laughs> those <laughs> right, yeah. kind of things, and it just keeps popping up. Right. And so I think God delights to help us to solve the big problems. Like, what do we do about the stuff in here yeah. that's that's we know is not right? Yeah. Yeah. So then, how do the miracles of God uh, impact your life? Well, at that level, I think, because uh, I think uh, the greatest miracle after the resurrection of Jesus is that God changes people. Yeah. And he's done that for me. He's still doing it. And and so that, I think, that is a massive miracle. We, we're grappling with this in our country right now, aren't we? Yeah. So what do we do about the problem of human lust? Yeah, everyone's got a different solution. You know, teach kids about consent, you know. Don't let people have sex in ministers' offices and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not going to solve the problem in here of human evil. And God did that, and he did it through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, so... For me, that gives incredible hope yeah. that God can and does change people and one day he'll make us completely like his son and I'm so looking forward to that. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for sharing today, Sam, some of your
1: reflections and, and thoughts on this big question. So, Sam, though, we'll close with maybe this, this, this the big
2: question that we're reflecting on now. How can you believe the miracles in the Bible? Because there's credible evidence that they happened and because God is so great and so powerful he can do whatever he likes. Fantastic. Big round of applause for Sam Reeve,
1: who's the pastor of Cross Culture Church right across the road here in the heart of Melbourne. Today's Bigger Question Show is a special one because we're asking some of life's biggest questions live outside at Autumn Fest, a celebration of hope and music in the heart of Melbourne. Our next big question is, what about other religions? Now, we're asking this big question to Kenny Coe. Kenny uh, is originally from Malaysia, and he's now the pastor of COIC, or Click Church, in Melbourne's outer eastern suburbs. And he joins me now. Please welcome Kenny Coe. Big round of applause. Thank you. You're Thank got you a for having me. You've got, got a couple of fans out there, Kenny. Yep. Kenny, welcome to Bigger Questions. Now, Kenny here, we're talking today about Jesus and the Christian religion. But we live in a very big city with a diverse number of people and religions. Indeed, the Persian poet Rumi once said, How many paths are there to God? There are many paths to God as there are souls on the earth. Now, he's suggesting that all religious paths lead to God. How do you respond to that?
3: You know, whenever we talk about uh, every religion leads to the same God or all roads lead to Rome, uh, I must—I mean, it kind of gives us a warm and fuzzy feeling that Finally, we get to fix the world's problem. Yeah. That we can iron out all our differences. But if you can kind of dig a bit deeper, it might paint a different picture. So, as you mentioned, I grew up in Malaysia. Yeah. So, I grew up in a Buddhist family. Uh, so, in Malaysia, we have uh, four main religions, here. Yeah? So, we have uh, Buddhism, we have uh, Islam, Christianity, and Hinduism. Now, if you were to look at a each of the religions just quickly, like Christianity, we believe in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Islam, we only we believe in like one same God. And and Hinduism is polytheism, which means they believe in many, many gods. Yeah. And Buddhism, if you look strictly, they don't really believe in a God, at least not the personal one. So if you were to say that all religious paths lead to the same God, I, I will ask you to probably dig a bit deeper right. and see if that kind of makes sense for you. Right, yep. okay, that's a bit too simple, is it, to, to, to say that, you think? That's right, I think I think it's too simplistic an approach, although I must say it is, it gives a nice, warm and fuzzy feeling. Sure, okay, yep. yeah. But
1: so the, given that there are so many religions, then how do we pick one? Like, why not Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, or even the Flying Spaghetti Monster?
3: That's that's a good one. Now, first and foremost, I want to say that I'm not uh, authority in world religion. So I'm, yep. I, I'm a pastor, mainly I, I study about Christianity, uh, but I got a bit of exposure in like Buddhism. Um, and for sure I can't speak on behalf of flying Spaghetti monster right okay <laughs> but I think and the Bible talks about if you seek you will find yeah if you ask and you receive and I think if one is genuinely seeking God he will find Him but there's this other story and it's the Easter time it's a beautiful story is that a lot of times we think that we are seeking God mm-hmm. but the truth is the Bible talks about a story that God is the one that comes and seek after you I still remember, right, 20 years ago, I was just telling my friend Randall here, I was here at this state library. I was here rollerblading. I still remember, this was, they, they, before they renovated this place, I used to rollerblade here, and I would launch off this platform. Yeah. Easy. I will launch off this platform. That time, I was just having my life, having a party, and it was, it was a good life. It was yeah. a crazy life. But now that I come to know God, um, it, it's, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. So, 20 years ago, I was living for myself, rollerblading, launching off these stairs. And today I'm here talking to you about Jesus and God. I, that's... So what made the change? So during that part of my life, when I first came here as an international student, as you know, in Malaysia. Yeah. So you weren't a Christian at this point? Um, I was, but not in a serious manner. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, you go to Sunday school and that's about it. So it was a life, it was a party-filled life. It was, it's kind of meaningless, you know. But when I met Christ and... And this idea of Jesus seeking us, and that was the time I found that Christ was seeking after me. Mm. It was that moment when I, when I find that life is kind of meaningless, and when Christ reaches out to me uh, with His love, as a good shepherd, I think that's when I truly get connected with God and my life really changed entirely.
1: Yeah, but why Jesus and not you know, Buddha or Confucius or, or, or your background religions
3: that you're in Malaysia? Yeah, so when I was young, I used to go to the temple, I asked to the temple following my parents. Um, but this idea of going to temple is more of asking for blessing. <laughs> like every Asian parents will ask for kids to get good results and um, wealth and health kind of thing. But Jesus is more like, I-, I get to know him at a relational manner. So it's not just a transcendent, beyond, up the sky thing, but it's the one who comes to seek after the lost ship. And I was at lost ship and... Um, when I found Christ, and that was that changed everything. That wow. changed everything. So these other religions perhaps connected that transcendent idea that there's something in the in a
1: human heart that likes this idea of a transcendent. But you're saying that Jesus is actually personal, and that makes a big difference.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing today, Kenny. It's been
3: great to, to hear your reflections and some of your life story. So, what about other religions? Um, what about other religions? I think as I, as I mentioned before, look, I'm not an authority in, to talk about other world religions, uh, but as I mentioned before, the, I think we owe it to ourselves to investigate a bit more. Right. Uh, and I think living in a multicultural scene, we've we got to be respectful uh, of other religions. Um, and when Christ said that He's the only way, and that might sound a bit controversial or, is, or, yeah. or offensive in our culture, but this is the truth, right? It's actually not just controversial today. It is not just offensive today. It was 2,000 years ago. In fact, if you read the Bible, that is the reason why Christ was crucified in the first place. Because he said those insanely inflammatory statements, if I can say that. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. It was controversial then, controversial now. It is controversial now. But, it's,
1: but it's worth following.
3: That's right. And, and you know, truth sometimes can be uncomfortable, can be controversial. And as parents, you know, sometimes we talk the truth with our children it can be confronting, but nevertheless, yeah, it's still the truth. Fantastic! Thanks so much for sharing today, Kenny. Big round of applause for Kenny. Yep, thank Koei you. And this big question.
1: Today's bigger questions show is a special one because we're asking some of life's biggest questions live outside at Autumn Fest, a celebration of hope and music in the heart of Melbourne. And the next question that we're going to confront is about Jesus. Now, Jesus seems to be important to many Christians, and it seems to be the heart of what they believe. But why is Jesus so important? Now, we're asking this big question to Dave Kranjak. Dave is passionate about communicating the message of Jesus to the world. And he joins me now. Please welcome Dave Kranjak. There's a bit of applause there. Dave, welcome to Bigger Questions. Hi there. How are you? It's great. Now, Dave, we're talking about Jesus today, and for many people, uh, for Christians, Jesus is very important. But for many people, Jesus is an irrelevance, and when people share news about
4: him, it's an inconvenience. So, what makes Jesus so important? Well, probably the best way that I can explain it is, I, I remember growing up as a growing up as a child in in a normal traditional European home, and and. Um, it was it was a good home. It was a good home. There's a lot of things I can kind of point the finger at and but I was I was in one sense my parents took care of everything that I needed. Yeah. But still there was an emptiness in my heart and in my life. And I remember giving myself to every single thing that everybody said, Hey Dave, check this out. Dude, this this is this is so good. This will make you so happy. So I threw myself into the party scene. You know, growing up in Canada, uh, I threw myself into all, all, with all my friends. I wanted to be a biker, so I had the long hair, had the earrings, got the tats, yeah. got the motorcycle. You know, and then I would I loved singing, so I loved bodybuilding, loved martial arts, and I started to give myself to absolutely everything because. For some reason, there was a lot of things I was doing on the outside that was kind of tickling the skin, feeling good, but my heart was empty. So people would see this external character, but I was still miserable on the inside.
1: What do you mean by you were empty on the inside? Like surely you had a pretty uh, full and interesting life?
4: I, I, I did a lot. I did a lot. From the outside, people would say, dude, you're doing everything. And uh, in one aspect, I was. But everything that I was doing, I was doing because there was just this... I don't know. It just—it just never got past the this, this surface layer of my skin. Yeah. Every time I wake up, the very next day, I'd look in the mirror, and I was just miserable. No matter what I gave myself to, no matter what I did, I was just empty and miserable yeah. inside. So what changed? Well, I came out to Australia in 1996. Yeah. And I remember somebody—somebody somebody met me one day in, in, in uh, the CES. I was looking for a job, and he said, "Hey, listen, I just—I want to tell you about Jesus." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, dude, I'm just not interested in religion. I'm just really not interested in this stuff." And uh, he said, just 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 come out. So I, I went out to a message and there's this evangelist preaching and everything that he said was literally dealing with my heart. He said that Jesus died for you. He said, Jesus died to give you hope. Yeah. Jesus died so that in him you can have life. And and I didn't understand what that meant. That completely revolutionized me. What do you mean life? We are living life. We, we live a life and then we die. That's life, right? Yeah, yeah. But... It, it wasn't because no matter what I gave myself to, it just never filled that void. So did you believe him when he said, like, did you kind of believe this could even be possible? That,
1: Or is he just sort of, you know, this is just saying words, meaningless words about Jesus that, you know, he can offer your life. Yeah, sure, right.
4: Uh, in all honesty, I, I kind of thought this didn't make any sense to me. Like, I I grew up having a bit of understanding of religion and I'm like, this thing is not for me. So when when the scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, I'm like, I don't, I don't get that. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, so it was interesting. I was confronted for the first time with eternity. If I died at that moment, I was 21 years old. And the question that was asked me, Dave, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I just don't know. I don't know. And he, and, he, and he took me through some of the scriptures. And I realized that if I died, not being right before God, not, not making my life right before God, in other words, recognizing that I'm a sinner in the need of a savior, and I died then I wouldn't go to heaven. And the Bible said I would have ended up in hell. And that petrified me. I was like, no, that can't be the case. I haven't done anything wrong. What have I done wrong? Yeah. So, so uh, you were scared at this particular point. So what, what did you do? Well, at, at that stage, he, he simply said, listen, if, if you know that you're not right before the Lord and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, come down and I, I just want to pray with you. And the Bible says that if you, you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and you confess that with your mouth, you shall be saved. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ at 90, and I was 21 years of age. I didn't know all that all I was doing. And Jesus Christ at that moment in time touched my life in such a powerful way and changed me. And for the very first time in my life, I had this overwhelming hope that just got a hold of my life. And, and if there's anything I can share with anybody that's here in the sound of my voice and the things that I hear so often now with the teenagers nowadays, if there's no hope. There's no hope. We hear about COVID, everything that's happening, and people go, there's just no hope. Well, Jesus Christ is hope. Yeah. In Christ, there is hope. So, so how did your life change? Uh, my, my life changed dramatically. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything that I was giving myself to for the sake of trying to fill that void, it just didn't need to be done. There, there was all of a sudden, there's overwhelming joy that entered into my heart, the sense of forgiveness, that, that this weight and this burden in my life was just taken off my shoulders jesus forgave me of my sin i've done so many things in my past and all of a sudden my heart was clean my, my mind was clean i was forgiven and i felt uh, whole. and that was
1: liberating for you i
4: was i was liberated in christ yeah well fantastic so much to,
1: it's been fantastic to hear your story to you today dave i'm going to close with the, the big question that we're going to ask
4: you so then why is jesus so important G- jesus is so important because the Bible says it's appointed a man to die once. We're, we're all going to die. We live this life just but a moment, and then we will all die. We'll stand before God in the judgment seat. And the Bible says it's at that stage, it's heaven or hell. But Jesus Christ died for all of us. He died for you and for I. That if we put our faith and trust in Christ, He will give you life. Not only here, but everlasting life. He will forgive you of your sins, and heaven will be your home. There's hope, Hope. forgiveness
1: and peace.
4: Hallelujah. Amen.
1: Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for sharing today, Dave. It's been wonderful to hear your story. Big round of applause for Dave Kranjek as we've asked today's big question. Thanks very much for that, Dave. So thanks for joining us for our special four-in-one Bigger Questions show at Autumn Fest. And let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to these big questions, something that Dave Kranjek just alluded to in his reflections from John 14.6 where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guests today, Gillian Asquith, Sam Reeve, Kenny Coe, and Dave Kranjek.
0: Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.